0: We continue our series, Dare to be a Daniel. This morning we're looking at facing lions, and it is one of the most dramatic and powerful stories in all of Scripture. And you'll recall that uh, Darius or Cyrus the Great, known as both, has come into the city and has uh, conquered Nebuchadnezzar's uh, grandson and has taken over, and uh, we pick up the story there in chapter 6, verses 1 through 23. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them throughout the kingdom, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among all the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities, the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel, in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could not find any corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O king Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, but cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The doctrine stands in accordance with the laws of the Medans and persons which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that in accordance to the law of the Medes in person, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. The stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring of the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation may not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. The king was so worried about Daniel that he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel. He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, this morning we're looking at facing lions. Well, I don't know what experience you have with lions and tigers. Me, not much, thankfully. <laughs> but um, it was a number of years back that the the movie came out, "The Ghost in the Darkness." Do you remember that? Based on a true story, and it was actually frightening. And so the lions f- who were, you know in that movie, not the original movie, but the original lions who prowled and made just mayhem in that part of Africa are in the Field Museum. And so Savannah and I went to the Field Museum. We love Chicago, saw the lions, and uh, I guess they're a little smaller than they were because of the stuff and all this stuff, but we kind of looked at them and we went, well, you know, they're fearsome looking, but maybe, I don't know, the movie was so frightening and we weren't as afraid when they were in glass and they were not alive. But just like the next summer, Savannah and I went down to Florida to visit relatives down in Florida, and my niece was working at an animal sanctuary, and so we decided we're going to go out and see the animal sanctuaries, all kinds of wild animals, sort of rescue animals, so we went out there, and they had, you know, some pythons and all that stuff, and they had a number of tigers and a lion, and and he gave us all kinds of warnings about because they roamed free out there, but there were, you know, bars and fences and everything, and uh, so we're walking around, and we're, there's a there's a there's a sort of a fence and then there's another fence this tiger was just stalking savannah and she was you know about this high right here as we'd walk back and forth he just kept walking and looking at her and even even we were overlooking at some giraffes or something and, and the owner said that he said that tiger is stalking you you can see him kind of looking up in the grass And uh, so it was just unnerving and realized, and he said, man, these things are so powerful. He said that you can't get near enough that um, the cage, because they can actually, they're so powerful, they can put their tongue through the bars and pull you in if it's a small child. So that really freaked me out. (laughs) So we were way away from those. So with that, (laughs) I don't know what experience you have with lions and tigers. People do today. But I think for us, all of us do have fears. And so whatever your fears are, kind of bring that before you this morning because we all have kinds of fears. And the line is kind of a symbol of fear. It's like the, you know, the shark. It's when you're on the menu, it's a whole different ball game, right? And so think about whatever thing that you're afraid of this morning that brings fear to your heart and life. And let that be a backdrop as Daniel shows us how to live and to face our fears. And so the story, to just back up for a moment, is that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been taken away to Babylon, the capital city of Babylon, in the Empire of Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, and it was around 600, with 10,000 of the best and brightest. And the strategy of King Nebuchadnezzar was to take them away to raise him into the literature and the culture and the identity of the Babylonians, and then have him go back and rule and also keep just things at bay back in the Judean countryside. And he had just wreaked havoc in the countryside. He had conquered Egypt, the Assyrians, and that was the empire, the reigning empire in the Middle East. And so um, their first reaction would have been to rebel, but they get a letter from Jeremiah from back home. And Jeremiah tells them that the word of the Lord whispered to him through the Holy Spirit that they were to do four things, which was to live in subtle, in other words, to not uh, stir rebellion, but to build relationships, but to keep strong values. In other words, to be salt and light in the world and to be a blessing, which was really radical because these were enemies of the people, but God, through blessing them, was going to bless them somehow and finally to trust God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, a promise to us as well. And so Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego first faced smaller trials in life, and sometimes through the tiny test of life, God builds us for the bigger battles. It was through diet at first, which seemed like a small thing. It was in many respects, but they stood firm on that. And God proved to be faithful, and then it was through a dream. And Daniel was brought forth to interpret this dream and he had tremendous courage because it really was against Nebuchadnezzar who was the most powerful ruler of that time. And then there was the fiery furnace where they were supposed to bow down to this idol, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down and were thrown into the fiery furnace, but God prevailed and rescued them. And the king said, there's one, there's not just three, but four in there, one like the son of the gods. And so God was present with them, even as God is with us through the fiery furnace of our trials. And then Daniel proclaimed that the king uh, needed to humble himself, or he would be like a cattle in the field, and the king refused to. And then it, that happened about a year later. And after seven seasons, about a year and three quarters, the king confessed God. And he lived that confession, but then his, after he passed away, his sons and grandsons, we believe, took power. It was just a nightmare of chaos. And then we had last week, we looked at the writing on the wall where God condemned them because they were partying when they should have been praying and we talked about how God's word is not just judgment, but also life. We just face it in the right way. And the kingdom was so corrupt, as Daniel interpreted that, writing on the wall, he said, this very night, your kingdom will be taken from you. And so Cyrus or Darius the Great, both names applied to the same person, came to the gates of the city and were told that he was welcome as a deliverer, not as a conqueror. The people themselves... Uh, opened the gates for him because the kingdom was so unjust and so corrupt. And so here is uh, Cyrus, uh, Darius the Great, and in this moment he looks around, as any wise ruler would, to look for the best administrators, because it's a huge empire. This is the first, uh, you can see a picture of it up there, the first world empire. It's considered the first world empire in human history. And he appoints 120 satraps and three administrators over those 120. And Daniel is appointed as one of those three administrators, and Daniel rules with such honesty, uh, such integrity, such wisdom, that he begins, Darius begins, to consider him for the person that's over all, everyone else in this empire. And of course, jealousy ensues, as sometimes these things happen, And, and they plot against Daniel, and they can't find anything wrong in terms of his integrity and in terms of how he goes about following the law. And don't you wish that in our own lives, when people look at us and find fault, that they see integrity in us and they see that we're about our job, whatever our job is that God has called us to and we're doing it with the best of our ability. And so they decide what they'll do is to find fault in him through God's word. Wow. And uh, so they trick the king and say, oh, king, you know, when you make a law, it cannot be changed. And then they say, for the next 30 days, make it so that no one can pray to anyone other than you. No one can worship anyone other than the, than the king, or they'll be thrown into the lion's den. Sounds good to the king. He signs off on that edict, and they know right away. Now, you'd think when Daniel heard about that, maybe he'd pray behind closed doors. Is that what you'd do? I mean, that'd be easy. You're still praying, but behind closed doors. But Daniel doesn't. He opens his windows just like he always does. He faces Jerusalem. He sits down on his knees and he prays loud enough for them to hear it three times a day. Man, in our own lives, don't you wish that we would stand strong and pray? There's so much in our world today, so much of the societal forces against prayer in our world today. It's so important to fall on our knees and to pray and to worship the Lord. And so they found Daniel guilty. I wonder today if you were taken to court would there be enough evidence against you to convict you of being a person of faith, of being a Christian? For Daniel, there was plenty of evidence that he was a follower of the one God Almighty. And so he's brought before the king, and the king can't believe it's Daniel, his favorite person, but he realizes that he signed that law, and he can't find any way out of it. And so the king throws Daniel into the lion's den with great regret, or thinking maybe his credibility would suffer from all of it. So He had to do that. And he goes home, and he can't sleep. He can't eat. Maybe the king even prayed. We don't know. And I think Daniel, God's Word doesn't say what Daniel did, but I think maybe Daniel slept. (laughs) Because Daniel had faith, and Daniel trusted his Lord. And I think for you and I, when we face some of the fears of our life, may not be a lion's den, but it can be an illness. It can be the loss of a loved one. It can be financial difficulties, relation difficulties. Whatever it is, we face some real fears in our world today. We see so much that's unsettled in our world today, even around the world. And so Daniel is in the lion's den early in the morning. to crack a dawn. The king comes to Daniel, and he calls out to the lion's den. Oh, Daniel, has your God spared you? And I want you to listen again to what Daniel says. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done any wrong before you, O king. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found in him because he trusted in his Lord. How powerful is that? And I think for our own lives, as we think about the fears that we all face, to just follow Daniel, to stand strong for what we believe in, to pray and to trust God because God will see us through. doesn't mean the outcome will always be the way that we want it to be, but we can trust God that God's plans and purposes will be served. And it's interesting because I love, first of all, the Scripture verse that was read earlier uh, that Paul writes to Timothy and Paul's writing to Timothy, he says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And that's so true, isn't it? Sometimes when you're afraid, just quote that Scripture verse and to realize that it's the power of God, not our power. But also in Peter, 1 Peter 5.8, Peter writes this, he says, The enemy, the devil, goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Man, the image of a lion again. So even though we may not see lions, there's a sense in which the evil of our world goes about like a roaring lion or just about so many other things that we fear in the darkness of our lives. Today, what are you facing where maybe Daniel could whisper through the Holy Spirit to you to not be afraid, to just trust God? And you know, even through all the things that happened to Daniel, God always seemed to work something amazing And so it is in this case as well. Cyrus the Great makes this proclamation that went out through the whole empire of that day, which is the known world throughout the the Middle East. And this is the proclamation that is written, then King Darius, also known as Cyrus, wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land. Listen to this tremendous testimony of faith. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion's. So Daniel prospered during the king reign of Darius the Cyrus the Persian. Wow. Man the king ends up making the proclamation about the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, if it were back in the Judean countryside, Daniel was to speak the words of the Lord, how many people would hear it? But because they were carried away into captivity, because something bad happened in their life, because they were faithful and stood true, even as Jeremiah had challenged them, they had a footstool to the king, and the king's proclamation went through the known world of that day. That is so powerful. And there's something else that's interesting as we are in November now, and at the end of this month we'll be looking at Christmas. A lot of times people will wonder about the Magi, right? To shift gears, jump over Thanksgiving for a minute. And they'll say, How did the Magi ever know of a promised Messiah? There were rumors of this throughout the land. We always think of the three magi, we think of we think of usually Africa and India and the land of Persia. Maybe it was this proclamation that would echo through the land for four hundred and some years until the magi saw a star in the sky that awakened them and they searched through all the wise men writings and they found the proclamation of Cyrus the Great. Could it be? Well, it certainly is a possibility. Paul writes, All things work together for the good of those that love God, who've been called according to His purpose. And in this moment, as Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego faced a ruined countryside, were taken away to the capital city of Babylon, and didn't know what to do, but were challenged by Jeremiah to build relationships but to keep strong values, to be salt and light in the world, to be a blessing that God was somehow going to bless all nations through them, and they trust God. And interestingly enough, who was it that proclaimed the Israelites could go back to the Judean countryside and rebuild the temple? Darius the Great, Cyrus the Great, who put a tax and help fund the temple to be rebuilt. Pretty powerful. I don't know what you're facing today that seems as scary as as a lion in a dark den. That's pretty frightening. But know this. The God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is still on the throne. The lion of Judah and Jesus Christ is greater than any lion in any den that could make you afraid and fearful in all of life. And so I challenge all of us, whatever fear that we're facing, to do what Daniel did, to stand strong, to pray, to trust in God Almighty. Daniel didn't know how it would turn out when he opened the windows, got on his knees, and prayed three times a day. But he knew that was the right thing to do, to be faithful. So for all of us, for whatever we face. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Paul knew it. Daniel knew it. Timothy knew it. And the saints throughout the ages, as we think of this as All Saints Sunday, read the names of our friends and family that have gone before us, and remember, too, the saints, our forefathers and mothers who stood strong in the faith against all kinds of challenge and adversity, Remember that whatever fear we face, our God is still faithful. Amen? Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, as we think about Daniel facing the threat of lions and his faithfulness to you, knowing that he could trust you, knowing that he could fall on his knees and pray, and you would answer, we too face fears in our lives. We pray that you help us with faith and trust in you to be like Daniel, and to pray and to stand strong, trusting that you have us in the palm of our hands. We pray this in Christ's name, and all God's people said, amen.